how you been, Ryan? Good, man. <laughs> Having a good day? I am. It's yeah. Tuesday afternoon. Are you are you in Lethbridge or in Calgary? Right Calgary. Now? Calgary, yeah. Because you guys are all over. We are, yeah. Have you been enjoying the the summer thus far? You know what? Stampede almost killed me. But uh after that, yeah, now I'm I had a week of rest and I'm back in the saddle. Yeah. It uh it definitely takes a toll on you, doesn't it? Oh my god, we did so I think we did 18 corporate events in the uh, 12 days. <laughs> wow. But you're here today, so that that works. You here we it. are. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. No worries. I've been a big fan of yours for years. I still have your old school magazines. Oh, thank you. <laughs> They're actually on my coffee table upstairs. I've, oh, God, when did you start those magazines? It was years ago. I think it was about five or six years ago. And are, are you still continuing those? Or? Periodically. We yeah. got busy. We got busy with client work. And then we're like, I guess we should go back and do our magazines again. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I bet you during the pandemic, well, no one's touching anything, right? So. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a different time. Yeah. Did you guys continue working through it all? Like shifting the messages and branding perspectives for clients? Or was it just completely closed down for a while? No, not at all. So when the pandemic hit, like it was easy for us to transition to a hybrid model because we were a hybrid company before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so with just different offices across uh, and different staff across uh, Canada, we just it was like business as normal for us it, it wasn't weird at all um we definitely had to adjust a bit more to culture because culture is so big at william joseph so we had to figure out how to make culture still happen virtually but what we found was clients needed us more than ever because they truly just didn't know how to navigate this time how to communicate and a lot of our clients honestly weren't even like e-commerce e savvy so then they were like oh my god that's the only way we're going to sell is now online so we need you more than ever Nice, nice. For the listeners, how did you get started in this industry? So are you Calgary born and raised? No, I'm from Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan so yes. I grew up on a small farm outside of a small town in the middle of Saskatchewan, uh, Wadena, Saskatchewan. And my whole goal was I wanted to be a doctor. So I was going to go into medical school. That's what I geared myself for. And even my first year of arts and science was all kind of pre-med. And um, I did, uh, I don't know, like I have always wanted to help people, but I had this creative side and I had this, this analytical side, but I thought science was my, my future. And I did uh, a, an experiment or a, sorry, in chemistry class, we had to do this, um, this project where it was like, what gives uh, fruits their smells and it's esters. And we had to do this trade show booth and all this stuff. And my prof came to me and he was like, Ryan, this is like the best trade show booth I've ever seen in my life. You've sold people on the science behind this. You should go into marketing. I was like, what's marketing? Like, I didn't know what it was, a small kid or a kid from a small town. So I investigated it and I started to think, well, maybe marketing is for me because it uses both like a creative side and a business analytical side. And yeah, I did a hard pivot uh, in university and said, no, mom and dad, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a marketer, which I can still see there. There. <laughs> That you know, they they've always supported me. They've been my biggest fans, and they're like, if that's what you think. But I think they had their ideas, like, oh, our son's gonna be a doctor. Yeah. So I changed careers, and uh, I picked picked up uh, 
all my marketing classes and stuff. And the rest is history, man. Wow. You know, looking back, do you see moments in your life where you had sparks of creativity and you enjoy those things? Yeah, it's it's really funny. It's more even like it's creativity and entrepreneurship. So like when I was a kid, I would like color in my coloring book and then I would hang the different pieces of art, of art on the walls and I'd put up like price tags on them at like three years old. And, you know, my parents had a garden out on the farm and they would like grow their vegetables and they would give it away to their friends and family. I'd be like, dad, get the truck. We're selling these at the market. And it. there's probably 10 examples between the ages of three and 18, where I truly was an entrepreneur, but there was a creative flair to it. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I didn't really like my dad and mom were farmers. Like that's very entrepreneurial, but I, I didn't grow up in a situation where I had family members running businesses and stuff. I didn't, I wasn't exposed to that. Mm. So I kind of stumbled upon it and, and really it was never my intent. I worked for people all throughout my twenties. I'm just getting experience. And I was like, oh, I don't really fit there. And then I would go there and I'd be like, oh, that's just not right. And um, my friend and I, I always said like, oh, if I could, I'd own my own marketing agency. And, uh, but it just didn't happen. I wanted to work for an agency and I just didn't have experience. I didn't get the chance. And then we just got uh, let go one Thursday afternoon. A company was downsizing and my friend and I got turfed. And uh, they walked us to the street corner and um, Tim said to me, you've always wanted to do this. So now is maybe the time. And I was so mad. I was so mad that I got let go because I put my heart and soul into this company. And he said, well, you could spend all of your time crying about what happened or you could take all that energy and build for the future. And so I would say those words from Tim were just so momentous in my life. And I said, OK, well, if now is the time. Let's do it. So that Thursday, we were let go. By Monday, we opened up as William Joseph. Um, so that was our middle names, Ryan William, Timothy Joseph. But it's also like my my dad's name, my grandparents' names. Like it lined up eight ways to heaven. And uh, we rented an office next door to the company that terminated us. A bit of a bold move. And said, yeah, we're back. And And, you know, truthfully, what happened was I had a lot of friends, like your personal integrity in life is the thing that you can count on. And I had a lot of friends and everybody always asked me like, Hey, Ryan, can you help me with my business, with my marketing? And I was always like, no, I just sell this or I just do that. So when that happened, it gave me the opportunity to really say, no, now I can sit back and look at your whole business and look at your whole marketing and go, okay, what's the plan? So we were always strategy first at WJ, like the moment we opened our shop, because that's the business mind. And, and truly my, my medical thinking, my medical career that never happened, I still use it every day. You know, clients come in and they're hemorrhaging and we're like, oh my God, triage, triage. And then we're like, okay, we got to stabilize. And then we get to pull in the team of experts. And then we're like, okay, our goal is long-term health for your company and your marketing. So what does that look like? And, you know, I might not be a triage doctor or a surgeon, but I definitely have that that viewpoint towards people's businesses and their marketing. The times have changed. So from when you had started to today, we're in a world where the barriers to entry are, I mean, we see hundreds of marketers and marketing agencies, social media marketers, um, and now AI. Is it an exciting time? Is it a scary time? I don't think humans are going to be replaced. We 
will utilize them as prompt engineers or help us in certain elements such as tools but you still need a human element i mean we can do this podcast as ais we need each other you know i can't believe i'm now the guy that says way back when um <laughs> but like i remember when websites were coming out you know and people were worried about that and computers were coming out and people were worried about that Technology scares people because they just don't know what they don't know and what the potential of it can be or what it will do. I think at the end of the day, though, you know, with AI, it's another tool to help us be better, you know, and I think you look at it that way. I look at how the brilliance that comes out of WJ, it's not one person. It's a collective team of individuals with a with a, a life of experience and knowledge that collectively come together they they analyze they understand human behavior like the thing about business and marketing too is you have to always be aware like you're dealing with customers that have emotion and perceptions and values and 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 you know their own internal views because it's not just like one thing works for everybody you know with what works for one customer is going to be very different than the other even though their scenarios could be similar their personalities are different their their vibes are different right so you know i think that's something we've gotten really good at at wj and personalities to help tell their story so that it's uh, authentic in the market one of your campaigns really stuck out to me um i think it was a couple of years ago actually yeah a few years ago it was the hot pink with love local and red deer oh yeah yeah my god i was like what is this who is this it just garnered attention how did that come about and how do brands stand out in today's era of an attention span that's so short you know it's scroll 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 and the long form videos work as well let's say one instead you know like a full commercial yeah you know well there, there's a lot a lot to unpack in what you asked i think you know what i find is brands today have to be authentic they have to tell compelling stories that are true to their values and their actions and their words must be in alignment it's just, it's a conversation. It's not a sell. And we've seen brands like Bud Light go under huge controversy. We see CMT under controversy right now. We see a lot of conversations out there because people don't want to be sold. They want to have a connection with you and feel that they fit with your brand, right? And so I think there's this whole spot about like life unscripted. People want to feel like they're a part of the conversation, so I think that the thing is, is whether we talk about logos and campaigns and packaging and all this stuff, it's all very, very important, but it's how you put it together and how you act and behave as, as a company. Um, I did a global TV segment once about like the transparent CEO. People want to know, they want to know me. What's this guy about? You know, if we're investing our marketing in this firm, who who's the owner? What, what what's that guy's story? You know, I have a, I have a role to play in our brand and our story. They want to they want to feel like they fit, you know. So I try to do a really I'm pretty vocal on social. I, I, I try to keep out a personality there so that people understand like you'll love me or ho hopefully you'll love me. But if you disagree with me, I'm all about that. I'm like bring it in because different views are what helps educate and, and creates great change, right? So, Absolutely. It's the critical I, thinking, it's the different viewpoints. When you look at like say Bud Light, for example, what was something that you saw go wrong? And I think they're truly having a hard time to get their audience back or their demographic. 
I think Bud Light's going to go down in history as a, as a learning lessons. Um, there's probably a, a hundred learning lessons you can pay, take. You know, the interesting thing about Bud Light is they've sponsored and they they promoted diversity throughout all the years. They they did a ton of that. So why now? Why did this one hit exactly, such a nerve? Yeah. Um, I think society is society perhaps is is tired of matching brands with causes and having initiatives pushed and this, that, and the other, you know, I, I think you have a traditional audience that was getting pushed a very liberal type of campaign. You have, there's just so many different variables at play. Um, but, you know, I, I think the thing is, is, you know, as a marketer, I'm just going to take it back to marketing is you always want to understand the values of your core audiences. And then as you go after new markets, you have to be aware of like, is that going to alienate our traditional or original clients or will that complement, you know, there is a strategy behind it. Cause yeah, from a marketing standpoint, that's the way I look at it. It's, it was like, what were they thinking? And how would you have done that? Whether it's Bud Light or anybody out there right now in today's time, if you want to garner a new audience, say it's a younger audience, even a generational audience, how do you do that yet still not alienate? It's, it's an interesting conversation. It's not easy. Yeah. yeah. And you know what I think? Like brands definitely jump on the use of, of influencers right now. Like TikTok is amazing. Like I honestly, I probably buy more products from watching people on TikTok than I, than I do anywhere else. It's just, I see the people that I like and trust using them. I'm like, oh, maybe I need that. And they get into my head again. That's not selling. That's people using your products and, and creating a, a personality and, and exposing you to it. And then you want to be like them. Right. So there's this whole sense of trust and credibility, but you know, I think influencers are very very powerful and uh we've seen them work really well and we've seen them maybe not work so well yeah i mean you look back at like the kardashians or any of those folks and you think gosh how many products have been sold and kendall or Ky i think it's kylie the youngest one that's created some beauty line and she's just killing it i'm thinking yeah, it's 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 definitely it's it's a marketing angle. Like you even look at like the rollout of Barbie, Barbie the movie. Look at the brand partnerships that have come out of that. You know, um, the conversations, the stories. You don't really see the traditional advertising mm -hmm. per se promoting the movie, but there's so much hype about it. You know, that's been built in in a very strategic and modern way. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that I see is every year the world changes. Yes, COVID definitely gave us a, a, a bit of a push in a new direction, but the world evolves every year. TikTok evolved the world from marketing perspective. It, every year it's evolving. And we as agencies have to stay on top of this because like old ways won't open new doors. And we just see too many clients getting stuck in, like they're just busy. Clients are busy and it's just, this is how we do it. But the world's changed. We're two years later, three years later. That's not how we do it now. And that's kind of what pains me is when I see people spending good money and hard their, their hard time trying to like create results, doing it the old way, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, that's not how you do it anymore. You know, an example with that would be just so out there would be like, if somebody said, well, Ryan, I'm going to advertise in the yellow pages. I've actually had that happen not that long ago. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? The yellow pages were fantastic. They had a time and a place, but I think there's probably better ways to spend your money today. Not slamming yellow pages, but I think there's better ways to reach your market. 
And that's just what we see at WJ is it's like our team of experts are always on that like leading edge of what's new. How do we optimize? How do we create connections? You know, and how do we take a company's business from here to here, you know, through strategy, through creative, through content, through digital, through all the different initiatives. And what we'd recommend today is completely different than what we'd have recommended three years ago. Wow. Wow. Hey. <laughs> When you look at magazines, for example, or even just our local newspapers, the Herald and the Calgary Sun, I think they're combined now, they've shrunk. Things have changed. How can the existing magazines that are left and relevant continue on? Is there ways for advertisers to be placed in a physical magazine, yet not just have the issue.com a PDF version of a magazine, it's got to be interactive. It's got to be engaging with today's era. Yeah, I think, you know what? Like we did this like a few years ago. It wasn't that long ago. We launched the WJ magazine in the height of no magazines. There's no more print that's dying. But, you know, my whole thing was, hmm, okay, if nobody's doing it and I want to create a credibility piece to hand out, then perhaps there's a there's room for this but it all comes down to value if you can create value for the advertiser and value for the reader people will keep it you told me I those magazines are five years old they're still sitting on your table there's value in it then for you um but i think if you try to cut corners do cheap content cheap thinking cheap design cheap printing it's in the trash. And so, you know, when we looked at our magazine, we really wanted it to be a combination between Forbes and like GQ. And we set a standard really, really high. And we thought, you know, if we do it of quality and print it of quality, people will keep it because they're going to see it as quality, um, which which worked. You nailed it. Yeah, exactly. It's a quality. I mean, you hold it and it, there's a difference. You're like, oh, and the the contrast and the imagery and you're like, that's art. It's you know, art. It's no, so. that was our goal. So it definitely worked. So Ryan, I've definitely seen you for years, my friend. Ah, <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. When you look at social media today and you're a new brand, is it impossible to stand out? Or or let's say this, a tourism brand. How can a local village or a town here in Alberta stand out? Yeah, well, we actually do the marketing for Grand Prairie Tourism. And, you know, I kind of, I always laugh that GP is kind of my my second northern home away from home. I, I ended up being exposed to the to the community, fell in love with the community, even all, opened an office in the community. Nice. People thought I was going to Toronto and I went up north. Um, but you know what I think it is? Every place has something special. Um, whether it's Calgary, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Grand Prairie or Wadena, Saskatchewan, everything has, it, it's, there's something special about it. And it's a marketer's job to tell that story, to make sure that it's authentic, compelling and shows what makes it different, you know? Um, and I think it's also really understanding who your target audience is, like your trade area. You know, I remember in, when I lived in Wadena, Saskatoon was the big city. We were going to go there for medical reasons. We we're going to go there for shopping, you know? I don't know if I'd fly from Calgary to Saskatoon now for shopping, but when I lived in Wadena, that was a draw. And so you just have to understand what's what's a gem to one person might not be to another. And it's all about making the right connections with your audience. Absolutely. It's the perspectives. You know, and when I look at the Grand Prairie campaign and the the stuff that you guys have done there, it's you nail the coloring as well. The the feel. 
it feels like GP. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Like the logo, the branding. How did the the hot pink come around for Redrick? Well, you know what? I think the thing is that's a high contrast. You know, I think it was highly recognizable in a marketplace where you didn't see a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure the creative team had their psychology reasons why they picked it. But, you know, I, I will I'll second your comment that when I would be in town and I'd look in a window and that hot pink would be just popping out, you could see who is local really well, like immediately. So, you know, there was a vibrancy behind it. There was um, a, definitely a recognizability factor there. Um, it was so successful. And it was super modern and clean and easy and Instagrammable. And yeah, the I chamber it. behind it. Yeah. Have you started looking at the East Coast? To yeah, tackle, like we, or is it yeah, only we, Western Canada so far? No, like we have clients right across Canada. So um, it's just we've had our offices out, out West. And then after COVID, we really made a, a conscious decision just not to open up more offices. You know, we just made the idea that, you know what, if somebody really wants to work with us, it doesn't matter if you're sitting next, if you're, you know, a block away or a continent away. So, true. Um, so yeah, we, we're keeping keeping home base out West, but growing nationally. Growing nationally. How do you manage to grow an organization and still have your vision go through it all? So you have employees in different areas or contractors. How do you express to them and really get it through so the client gets what they wanted? We invest a lot in building like out our culture and our values and our beliefs. Like every year or two, we sit down and we go, is this still who we are? We've actually just come through this process again. Because, you know, what's interesting is the WJ that Tim and I created 21 years ago. Crazy, hey? 21. Wow. (laughs) It'll be 21 this fall. It's It's still there. I feel like it's the heart. But every time we get new staff, I embrace the new thinking. And I'm like, hey, don't let me turn into an old man. And don't let me have an old man company. You guys have to keep me relevant and fresh and contemporary and stuff. So what do you see? What do you think? And every time I get a new team on board or people evolve and change in and change out, the company becomes a little different. So I embrace the evolution. Um, And so I always say, like, here's what was important to me and here's what is what's important to me and has never changed is to be that welcoming organization where I'll have the coffee and I'll have you some cupcakes and we're going to sit down and we're going to figure this out. And you don't ever have to worry if you have $2 or $2 million, like I'm, I'll, I'll help you out in some way. That's, that's kind of the, the Saskatchewan way that my grandparents would have said, if you showed up at the farm and said, come on in, you know, have a coffee and, and they would, they would have welcomed you open with open arms where that's me. I, you come here, you're like coming into my house and we've designed our offices to feel like houses, you know, like it literally feels like living rooms and stuff where it just feels comfortable. There is no ego. We don't, we don't tolerate ego. Everyone's opinion matters. Um, and we really want to make it feel like a welcoming place for all. So that's, that's a me thing. I think the team then brings in high tech and they bring in, you know, sophistication of a modern thinking and new philosophies and stuff like this and and global experience and that and the other so when you take the ryan side and you take all the bits of the other we're so much stronger together yeah who have been some inspirational figures or i guess agencies that you look at like would it be you know leo burnett or ogilvy or, or sid lee even yeah that's a great question you know i think that like 
different agencies definitely have played a part in my team's um, growth patterns. They've worked for Ogilvy, they've worked for different mm -hmm. companies nationally and globally, and they've all learned and taken taken the best from it. Mm -hmm. For me, I never got to work for another agency. I started this thing when I was a kid, no one would hire me. So I've kind of been limited in that spot. I think my biggest mentors back in the day were like, I would probably go back to like past bosses. You know, I've had an amazing boss, Bill Peterson, that I would go to him and be like, how do I do this? And he'd be like, what do you think? How would you do it? And I, I was like, can you just tell me? But he he would make me try and I'd come up with ideas and he'd go, go try it. And then I'd come back and he'd go, how did that work? And, you know, I always really respected him for believing in me. And, you know, I look back to my parents, like my, my mom literally has always said, you can be anything you want to be like, you're just going to believe it's going to happen to the point where I actually got believe tattooed on my oh, hand. I love it. In her handwriting. Done. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I look back through the role models that I've had. Um, sometimes they're, they're, they're the people that help you not give up on the day to day and keep, keep you going. So, yeah. And honestly, I would say a lot, like even role models are my team. Like, I just see what these guys do every day. And I'm like, oh my God, like, they're so smart. And, you know, I, I sit there and I go, like, I could learn from that one. I could learn from that one. Like, I always joke, like, my job is to collect smart, smart people. Um, I definitely am not the smartest person in the room. I know when I should be like, okay, you need to talk with so-and-so in our agency because that's above my head. Um, and I think clients really appreciate that sense where I, as a CEO, CEO I'm not trying to be the, the smartest guy in the room. Mm. I'm literally saying I have the smartest team and we're going to let you uh, work with those folks. Isn't it interesting when we think of CEO back in the day versus what it is today where, you know, you're so transparent, you're open, you're okay with saying, Hey, I might not be the best. Cause you'd look back then. It's like, you had to be the top dog. You had to know, know everything, even though you didn't. And you know, there's yeah. a disconnect from the people, your team. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I would say as the CEO, like, I feel confident saying I have the best team and I feel confident saying I have the best company. And I would say, I feel confident that says, you know, we all work so hard and we all, you know, put our skin in the game. But if, if I have to do the the dirty laundry today, that's cool. I'll, I'll go do that. Uh, or I'll get the cupcakes for our party. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like, I think there's a spot though, for me, no matter how big we get, I still started this from my basement. And there's something that I loved about working from my basement where I was in the nitty gritty. And, you know, as we've grown, I've learned that I can't necessarily put my fingers in everything like I used to, because that's just going to mess it up. I, I I respect roles and responsibilities and accountabilities. And I'm like, okay, I can't do that. But I'm the first person that if somebody said, I need help, I'll be like, okay, what do I do? What what do you need done? You know? So yeah. Ryan, before we get going, how, how... How do you guys know what's a good message in such a divisive time? It all depends on your target audience. You know, you really have to understand who you're talking to, the value system that they have, so that you can make sure that the message and the media matches the person. Um, because one message definitely will not work for everybody, and one media platform will definitely not work. And we we just have so many options today, and we can't miss it up, mess it up. So yeah, that's why strategy is so, so key. You know, you send out an e-newsletter, e you might have 17 different variations of that e-newsletter now, just so that you can specifically talk to the pain points of each audience to get the results that you require. So there's an art and science to it, definitely. Yeah.
Is that a growing trend still? E newsletters? Because I, I don't think they're dying. No, that's it's it's you know what? There's no there's no tactic that is is like trendy or not trendy. It's all what's relevant. Whether it's an e newsletter, a magazine, X Y Z, digital ads, like it's just you just have to understand. Here's my business. Here's where I want to go. Here's the people I need to talk to. What are the best tools for them to use? Um, and I think people have to not fall into the fad trend just because it's new doesn't mean it works for you, right? That's the same thing for fashion, hair, everything. Just because it's trendy, it doesn't necessarily mean it, it's for you. You have to understand what works for your your business. Yeah. There's something about nostalgia. I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've know. been there. I'm I'm that old. So <laughs> I guess yeah, you live through it. The good old days now. <laughs> the good old days. You're like yeah. Oh, the Walkman. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It, it is hard to believe that we started before websites. That's incredible. That's super cool. When you look at it all 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what do you hope for, for WJ? I, you know what? I just want to keep seeing it soar. I love this. Like somebody asked, like, would you retire? Do you want to sell this? No, absolutely not. Right. Like, you know, I'm not in the day-to-day, -day, which I love because I'm not really the details person. I'm the bigger picture type of person. Um, but, you know, I just see where this team takes us year after year. And I'm so excited to be a part of that team, to, to be a part of the journey. There's not many, uh, especially here in Calgary, agencies left. It seems like they're, they come and go new ones, but longest standing, not many. I'm, I'm vintage. You're vintage. You're an icon. <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate your time today, Ryan. Worried, Thank man. You. Thank you so much.